You're listening to the Bitcoin.com podcast, the number one place in the world to learn about Bitcoin. Open your first wallet, buy your first Satoshis, and get involved in the Bitcoin ecosystem that is changing the world as we know it. Satoshi Nakamoto, wherever you are, thank you for making all this possible. Now, let's get started. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another Bitcoin.com podcast. I'm your host, Bitcoin Brian, and this podcast was pre-recorded in London in the CBD in a very beautiful building downtown, and I got to sit down with Pavel Matviv, the CEO of Wirex, and we discussed how Wirex is bridging the gap between traditional payment methods and cryptocurrencies. We discussed where Wirex came from, what they're doing now, and how their new expansion is going to launch them into the forefront of cryptocurrency debit cards and payments. I hope you enjoy it. Ladies and gentlemen, Mr. Pavel Matviv. Thank you. What's your passion? Like you've created something that is actually making people's lives better, right? And more convenient. And you know, you're being an innovator of the industry in a very powerful way, I think. And so I think people want to know a bit about you. People want to know, I mean, I do, you know? So. Varex is a London-based fintech company established about three, three and a half years ago. At the moment, we are the global leader of cryptocurrency debit card market. More than, with almost one million customers in more than 130 countries. Wow, that's awesome. In, including Japan. Just to give you a bit more numbers, uh, so this year alone, we have transacted more than one billion US dollars. And this transaction volume is constantly growing. Mm. Obviously, the popularity of uh, blockchain and cryptocurrency is uh, is growing as well. So there are more and more people uh, who is uh, interested, who are interested in uh, this new technology or using cryptocurrencies. So we, as I said, we London-based, uh, and we have headquarters in London. But at the moment, we have offices in Tokyo in Singapore and in Kiev uh, we have R&D center. So there are almost 100 people without customer support. Obviously customer support, if you do B2C business at some point, it's, uh, it's coming to the biggest, uh, yeah. the biggest part of your team. Mm. So business is growing, company is growing uh, as well. So 100 employees right now and the plan for next year is 250. So it's more than uh, two and a half double. times the the, exactly. the the volume of the company and employee and talent. Yeah. Wow. Right. Yeah. So that brings your capability to a whole new level. Uh, that's right. There are certain challenges as well, right? So yeah. When you grow in that fast, you have some problems. What so uh, referred as um, uh, growth problems, mm. growth grow issues. Um, <laughs> Those good problems. Yeah, it, it, it kind of yes, but you, you still need to, to deal with them. Sure. So, yeah. So it's where we, we are at the moment, how we started. So we have quite, we have not very common management structure. So we have two CEO okay. and two founders. So I am co-CEO and uh, my business partner, Dmitry Lazarichev, he is our second co-founder and co-CEO. It's not that uncommon, but it's not that usual as well. So mm. the Oracle, for example, has a dual CEO structure as well. Oracle mm. is, um, database IT company. So 
just to add a few words about this management structure. So it, it, it doesn't work for everybody, but it works for us mm. because our area of expertise don't don't cross each other. They so complement each other versus exactly. having friction with yeah. between each other. This, okay. this is the idea. So okay. we because there are two different areas, we actually you're absolutely right. We complement each other's skills and mm. we have like three sixty view on everything, which I believe it's works very well for us. Mm. So how we started, um, just to give you a bit uh, background on, on, on our history. So I spent my entire career in investment banks here in London. So I worked in Morgan Stanley, Barclays Capital, Credit Suisse, BNP Paribas, Société Générale, all the top investment banks here in London. And it seems that this is kind of the banking area. This, I mean, just coming into the taxi, coming from Paddington down to here, just all of a sudden turn into banks and Barclays and HSBC, and it's kind of the the banking sector of London that this is is residing in, right? Yeah, but that's right. So at the moment we're sitting actually in old old Batves building, which is another uh, big retail bank here in London. But this area is called City of London, so it's where all financial institutions are located. So there are a lot of financial institutions, financial services company, uh, investment banks, retail banks, a lot of them are here. So London has two financial centers. One is City and another one is Canary Wharf, which is a bit kind of new. It's, you can see a lot of skyscrapers there. There's a, it's, it's, it's quite a new area. Um, level 39 actually is one of the very famous uh, London tech accelerators allocated there as well. Okay, well I can't imagine that this was your first office though. It, it's not, because okay. our problem is, <laughs> uh, the kind of growth problem is that we growing very fast, so once we've found an, an office and we think, okay, it's going to be probably enough for us for another half a year, mm. but be, because we're growing very fast, we instead of half a year, we change office every like three months. <laughs> so we actually move into a new office in the same building to a far bigger office from 1st of November. So in, in just a few days. Exactly. Okay. A couple of days. Wow. Because we, we, this office is already full of people. So going back to, to my background, so I spent my entire career in investment banks and I mainly was developing trading systems, trading strategies for different asset classes, derivatives, equities, exotics, ethics as well. And I spent a lot of time there and at some point I realized, okay, probably I've, I've achieved everything I could in investment banks. Yeah, I can go for you know higher titles and spend my entire life in investment banks. And uh, at this point of time I was kind of uh, looking for something new. and. It was the first time I read about blockchain and Bitcoin. Okay, and when was this? Four, four and a half years ago. Okay, so not quite from the beginning, but you've had pretty experience and, and probably more than most people, right? Because there's not a lot of people in the world necessarily that have been in Bitcoin for that amount of time. You're absolutely right. You know, some people believe it's still very beginning. It's very beginning. <laughs> it's so young and it's, it's, so, it's so vast about where it's going to go, I think. Yeah, but four, four and a half years ago, it was completely for geeks. It was niche market. So it's still kind of niche market, mm -hmm. but at least it, it's a tendency nowadays that we're moving slightly 
slowly to the kind of mass adoption, at least what we can see in Japan with the regulations coming in with uh, big players who, who's already started thinking about doing cryptocurrency businesses. But four, four and a half years ago it was really for, for geeks mm. and it was com completely niche market. And this was previous to what happened with Mt. Gox and that whole thing, right? Yeah, okay. Yeah, that's right. Okay. And when I read about Bitcoin, I've got IT uh, math background, so that's why I'm, I'm quite good with all IT stuff with the new technology, and I, I like it, actually. Mm. It's what fascinates me. And like computer science type stuff? And, exactly, okay. yeah. And Bitcoin and blockchain was one of these things, and I was like, wow, it can change the world. And, um, <laughs> I told this to my co-founder, Dmitry. I told him about the new technology, the new uh, new money. And when we uh, sat down and started thinking, okay, it, it looks very, very good. It looks fantastic, actually, how we can make it work, how we can make business. And that was what, based off reading the white paper and doing research into blockchain and Bitcoin overall? Yeah, exactly. So it was, we were playing with the cryptocurrency on, on our computers and okay. actually like, you know, doing different stuff. And the, the thing we realized is that it's super complicated. Mm. It's super complicated because you need to install, you know, different software. You need to understand how it actually works. And we, we realized that, okay, if it have to become mass market product, have to be simple. it has to be easier it has mm. to be simple mm. and it's how we came up with and when we started thinking okay so bitcoin is complicated it's not for everybody but there is a potential to to be the kind of universal money so how we can do it and we started thinking and brainstorming okay we probably need something but people already familiar with okay and when we came up with the idea of uh, cart the cart has um a few features which can help with uh, uh, Bitcoin adoption, with cryptocurrency adoption. So one, it's physical. So people still have some problem with kind of virtual money, mm. right? So a lot of people, they need something physical sitting in the pocket. They need something they, they can hold in their hands. Exactly, yeah. exactly. Uh -huh. And you have a, a bank card, you, you can't, you actually, why all this, you know, the, the physical wallets are getting that popular? Mm. Because the people, you know, have something physical in the wallet and they, okay, I own this. It's not something sitting in the cloud or in some wallet. I have it, it's mine. Exactly, yeah. exactly. So this is one thing. Another thing we were kind of curious, okay, for, for mass adoption, the payment industry is already developed, right? So Visa, MasterCard, WeChat Pay, Alipay, there are a lot of systems like that. And we, we, we were thinking, okay, we need something that people already are familiar with. So instead of, you know, educating a lot of people, we need to actually use something which already exists. And the, the card was solution for this as well, right? So card, debit card, or credit card, which mm. is a credit card, more popular in, in Japan and in, in, in Asia as well. It's uh, card is essential part of our everyday life. We use it to, to pay online, we use it to pay uh, in stores. I just it, used it to pay my taxi coming to this it, building. It, it, so, exactly, yeah. right. So the, the people already are familiar with this concept. Mm. And then we decided, okay, so we have a card and we have a new cryptocurrency thing and we have idea to make it as simple as possible so it actually can go to the mass market. Mm. And 
it's how we came up with the idea of uh, cryptocurrency debit cards. A few ICO companies are pitching this idea of cryptocurrency debit cards as is like super innovation. Mm. It's not super innovation, it's like four years old technology. Yeah. So we were the first company who actually uh, started shipping uh, cryptocurrency debit cards. Uh, truth to be told, uh, Zappo is uh, another company who is specializing cryptocurrency debit cards, uh, announce their product about the same time. So you, usually when, when, when people ask me like who, who was the first, I usually say Zappa and our company was the, the first two companies. It was the first two companies to offer Bitcoin debit cards. That's right. Okay. And yeah, like initially we were very happy when we had like orders for free cards per day. Three uh, cards per day. Yeah, it, that was that was what was making you excited at that point. Yeah, exactly. So <laughs> the, the, the first month, the first month, I think the most exciting things is when you actually get the first customers. Mm. At this point of time, we were sitting on all founders and kind of first employees were sitting on Bitcoin talks, and we were defending our product because in this industry, you you know, a lot of people will accuse you. In, Ponzi schemes or scams oh, yeah. from a day one. Well, that's just about everything these days. I it, mean, everything's a Ponzi these days, you know? Yeah, I think it's, it's kind of more relevant to new industries. Hmm. Where it seems like whenever people are learning about something that they've never learned before, so it's something they don't understand, they initially want to talk negatively about it as a Ponzi or something like that because they don't have the trust for it yet. That trust hasn't been built with them, and so they, you know, they look at it and say, oh, that's a scam, that's a Ponzi. And then they'll go in their Google search and they'll say, you know, XYZ scam. And then people are going to put information up there because of the backwards way that people uh, try to siphon money off the internet, right? If they'll they'll say something's a scam just so they can get people to click on their on their links on the side so they can make money, kind of thing. So it's a, it's a hard thing to deal with. I know I've dealt with it in, in a few different things, so I understand the human psyche when they kind of want to try to do that or whatever. But uh, I don't think there's any denying Bitcoin now, right? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. So. Yeah, we first month and first customers was kind of the most exciting thing, probably. And when was this? When when you're having that time where three customers, uh, you were happy about getting just three, three customers. What time frame was this in the company? I think it was end of 2014. Okay. Probably January 2015. Okay. We were uh, shipping first cards. It's uh, the, the first month. And the first customers was like uh, really really exciting moment. Yeah. We spent a lot of time on Bitcoin uh, talks, you know, defending ourselves, and it, it was quite interesting actually when we started getting first clients and like happy clients. They after that they started helping us on on different social networks, and they started hey the virus actually current is working. So they could go out and add that social proof, you know, that's saying, hey, I'm using this, it's actually working, I'm able to do things that I wasn't able to do before because of this card, and then, you know, that started to catch on? Yes. Okay. So, because there was, I I usually say that, you know, because we were the first company who started shipping cars, so Zappa started shipping cars a bit later on, so we got, like, you know, instantly 90 100% 100% of the market, but truth is there was no market. So we built the market <laughs> okay. and there are certain challenges associated with kind of building new industry, new market. So you need to educate people. You need you need to educate people is one thing, 
The second thing, the product you develop for new market, it's kind of our understanding how people will use our product. But our product understanding will changing kind of every half a year. Because there are new clients, the new customers came to us and say, hey, could you add this? Could you change this? Hmm. This part is we doing it wrong. It's like having your beta testers, essentially, it, right? It, yeah, kind of. Yeah. Uh, but we use a bit different market strategies. So because it's a new industry, the time to market is crucial for us. Hmm. So our business strategy is instead of developing like fully featured product and then launching and do marketing and you know uh, sales activities, what we usually do, we once we have something to, to show or something to offer our customers, we launch it. We, we collect that feedback, we, we adapt our product, we change our product. Because it's a new industry, so your product will change. Industry is changing, like every half a year, there is something new. Mm. So you need to change your product as well, otherwise the business won't succeed. If you're not changing, you're dying. <laughs> I had a friend of mine yeah, just yeah. Tell, tell me that recently. He said, if you're not changing, you're dying. So. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> so it's how we started, I think in uh, like three, four months, we, we started, uh, the, the customer base started uh, picking up. So at the moment, we onboard uh, 4,000 customers per day. Wow. It's more than any retail bank onboarding on a daily basis mm. in Europe, for example, or wow. in the world. Yeah. So that's, that's globally, globally, yeah, 4,000 a day. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. It's a, it's a good number. <laughs> Quite good. <Yeah. laughs> that's um, fantastic, and let me just say congratulations. Yeah. That's awesome. Thank you. Thank uh, you. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, I think it's in, in a nutshell. It's how we started. Again, we trying to be as global as possible, mm. go to different directions. We are mainly focusing, obviously, you, you can't be at the same time in, in all these places, but we're trying to. Mm. We're trying really hard and we're trying to work with our regional partners as well. So Japan, for, for instance, is one of our key markets. Okay. There are certain reasons for that. One might be because Japan is exploding with Bitcoin and the, you know, the government making it legal as well as it seems that probably since they did that, Japan has been over 50% of transactions in cryptocurrencies since, as well as South Korea has been a big part of that as well. So that's probably, I'm guessing, something that you have uh, that's right. so, a growth um, strategy for, right? Yeah, there are a couple of reasons why we were interested in, in Japan and South Korea. We actually have uh, people in, in, in Tokyo and in Seoul okay. doing business development. Japan, I mean, it's kind of a unique market. Mm in terms of the culture, in terms of uh, regulation. So you're absolutely right. Regulations is crucial. Mm. Why? Because regulations give you trust from customer uh, base and because we're doing kind of financial business, we need people to trust us, mm. to trust us with, with their money, with their funds. So regulation is good. Because of the regulations, the big players like big banks or even mega banks now are thinking about doing cryptocurrency businesses. Mm. So it means for a bigger market, more liquidity, there will be more competition as well, but it will be good for customers. It's a second reason. And the, the third benefit of regulation is actually you don't have any problems with opening bank accounts or with you know talking to uh, financial authorities about what you're doing. Mm. So 
in some countries, it's actually in most of the countries, the cryptocurrency regulation is still gray area, mm. and it's not helping, right? Because there's no clear guidelines about how to proceed forward with dealing with all this, especially if you're going to be taking in large sums of money. What do you do with it? You're not supposed to carry it around in trash bags or bury it in the backyard. You need to use that money to help grow the business, and you need to put it into investment strategies and stuff like that, but you need to do that through banks. But if there's no regulations, you can't put the money in a bank, and you can't do what you need to do with the current way that things are in the world, right? Yeah, but that's right. And I, I usually say that actually, because cryptocurrency is a distributed system, for government and for regulators, they don't have any options rather than regulate this market. Because you can't stop distributed system. It's like the internet. You can't stop the internet. Yes, you can probably say, yeah, you can create a Chinese firewall to stop the internet, but it still won't you know, work in 100% of cases. You can't shut down the internet because everything relies on it. You know, even all the government systems, right? If the government wanted to shut down the internet, they'd be shutting themselves down. And, and not only that, I mean, it's like, it's, it would be like trying to shut down a barter system. You can't shut down a barter system. People are going to trade their stuff and there's, no, there's nothing that can actually impede that. Now, you can put regulations, you can even shut down exchanges, but there's a whole world here, you know? It's a global thing. And so when, say, this issue, somebody asked me about this, like, China's shutting down Bitcoin, so Bitcoin's over. And I'm like, you just don't understand Bitcoin. You don't understand blockchain technology. But, you know, one sector or even one country decides to shut it down, operations are just going to shift to another area. It's like uh, one side of a balloon being squeezed to the other. It's it's not going away. It's just shifting to a, a new location because it's still going to happen and the demand is still there, right? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely right. So. This is a distributed system and you, you can't stop it. So, and I think this understanding actually will come to regulators and governments a bit later. Okay. It's still relatively new industry, right? So cryptocurrency is a new industry. ICO is an even newer industry, right? So, and this is a challenge for regulators. They don't know how to regulate it. But having said that, Japan, it was quite bold move from Japan when they actually started regulating virtual currencies. Mm -hmm. And what's happening at the moment is a trend for regulation. So all other countries, especially in Asian uh, region, will adapt or will copy Japanese regulations mm -hmm. in their jurisdictions. Right, the South Korea, Philippines. Japan spearheading it and the kind of uh, reach that they've had in financial sectors leading up to today and them actually taking it on to legalize it and then provide the regulations and see how it goes and they provide a working model. Once other countries see that working model, they can adapt that working model and actually implement it in their countries as well, which can take the whole thing global, right? Right, right, right. And, and that's important. Yes. So that's why I believe the next year will be super exciting for cryptocurrency and Bitcoin industry. And you're absolutely right. So uh, I mentioned South Korea, okay, cryptocurrency industry, they don't know how to regulate it. But if they look at Japan and Japanese regulations, it's already working. And it's and working. We, and yeah. we see the positive effect on economy, right? So as you said, more than 50% of cryptocurrency trading is happening in Japan. Mm. There are more liquidity, there are more hedge funds are trading in, in this space. There are more big players, um, big fixed brokers, banks started you know, doing cryptocurrency businesses. Mm. So the market is booming. So for other countries, it, it, it's kind of really no-brainer, right? So they see the positive effect on the economy and they just, okay, let's just do the same, right? And <laughs> What's stopping us? <laughs> exactly.
why Japan is unique is that forex trading is very developed in Japan. Mm -hmm. So Japan is the biggest FX market in the world. Mm -hmm. So that's why regulating cryptocurrency as as a currency is actually super super nice thing from <laughs> Japanese government. Yes. <laughs> so, uh, I mean, the idea is that eventually, you know, cryptocurrencies are going to be added to the forex market, right? I've heard talks of that kind of stuff. Once cryptocurrencies have had more time to develop and once they start really kind of showing their true price on what it's supposed to be kind of thing and the big levels of volatility kind of level off, then it can kind of be added to the Forex marketplace. Um, but with the volatility, the huge volatility in cryptocurrencies, that's not possible with the current models of the Forex market. Uh, what, do you, what do you think? Do you think that's possible? Let me explain how we position ourselves on the market. So the first thing we wire is an IT company which provides financial services. So we see us as an IT company, not like financial company. Okay. So we do everything in-house. We have a very strong team of developers and we provide in our technology and our platform for different businesses. So we have B2C product line. We will be launching B2B product line and we have a solution for merchants. Uh, later this year. Oh, that's great. So Somebody who owns a business in Japan would be very interested about that. Yeah. So it, it's one thing. We believe that Bitcoin... So let me put this this way. So cryptocurrency has a few benefits in payment industry. So the first thing, crypto or Bitcoin is excellent for value transfer. Right? So I've got Bitcoin. I can remit Bitcoin to you with, you know, almost... Uh, under 10 minutes, right? And I can do it here to people who live in London or I can send money to people who live in Africa where people have don't have even bank accounts, right? We use smartphones to receive or send money. And another area is uh, micropayments, so machine-to-machine -machine payments. So don't forget we're slowly moving to the era of IoT and by 2020 there will be 25 billion of connected devices. Mm. So connected devices is basically devices connected to the internet, like mm. smartphones, parking meters, vending machines. The problem with machine-to-machine -machine payments, you, you can't do machine-to-machine -machine payments on a global scale with traditional banking instruments. It's just not possible. Mm. And cryptocurrency or virtual currency can be a solution for that. Mm. It makes it possible to do it. Yeah, exactly. And where Wirex stands, so we are a payment company. We specialize in and focusing on making cryptocurrency and using cryptocurrency as a payment instrument. We are not focusing on trading or investment. We want cryptocurrency to be, to be used as a payment vehicle. So that's why we have our cryptocurrency debit card, which actually but the main point is that we allow people to use the digital asset in already existing network of merchants, mm. which is 40 million of merchants in more than 200 countries. You walk into a company and get a, I don't know, a coffee or whatever, and you say, hey, do you guys accept Bitcoin? And they're like, what's Bitcoin? But you say, do you accept Visa? And they say, well, of course we do. Yeah. And that is connected to the card, and therefore you're basically using your Bitcoin balance that's on your card to make a regular transaction with the Visa that the merchant accepts, and then you're living your life using digital currencies and not necessarily having to use fiat. Yeah. That, that, that's correct. So I think the idea of doing everything in, you know, 
uh, every payment in Bitcoin or cryptocurrency is great, but it will take time. Mm. So our solution is you can use your digital assets at the moment everywhere where Visa accepted and mm. it's a lot of uh, merchants and uh, uh, online stores. So we kind of cross this gap between the new world and traditional payment infrastructure. So this is the main idea of uh, cryptocurrency debit card. I'll give you one, one more example. So in my previous example I said that Bitcoin is a great for value transfer mm. and it, it really is, mm. right? So I can pure in, in Japan, I'm in London, I'm sending money to you. Mm. Okay. And any amount that you want as yeah. well. Yeah. So we, we solve this issue with a money transfer. You now have Bitcoin. Can you do much with this? Can you go to Starbucks and buy a cup of coffee with this? Mm. Not, no, you can't because merchant doesn't accept Bitcoin as of yet. So that's why cryptocurrency debit card is a last mile solution for Bitcoin based remittance. So Cryptocurrency, it's part of what we're doing. We believe that in very near future, and what we can see on uh, Japan uh, experience, there will be a lot of uh, cryptocurrency payments where you don't even need a card, where mm. merchants accept cryptocurrency payments straight away. Mm. And we believe this area will be growing very, very fast. So in Japan, I think in Tokyo alone, there is uh, 5,000 merchants or restaurants or shops where you can use cryptocurrencies. Tied into the POS system by a company called Recruit and also Bitflyer and Coincheck is uh, connected to companies putting it on point of sale systems that already exist in merchant in merchant accounts. So a lot of business out there, they have this platform, they're already accepting payments in all this kind of way and it's just really an update to the software to allow cryptocurrency payments to it. So it was kind of an instant deployment to all these merchants across Japan, which is amazing. That's correct. So uh, Big Camera is a good example. Mm. So Big Camera is a huge retail shop in, in, in Japan. Yeah, I've lived there. So it's like the one, of the, it's basically the biggest electronics store there. Big Camera and Kojima are like huge when it comes to electronics and appliances and those kind of things. And uh, they both are accepting Bitcoin, which is, which is awesome. Yeah. Have you done a purchase from Big Camera uh, from Bitcoin? Yes. Awesome. I've That's bought, wonderful. Yeah, I've bought uh, Flash Drive. I think there is one in... Uh, Marinochi area. I, I don't think every big camera has this kind of facility to accept the, Bitcoin. They don't. They don't all have it deployed out just yet. Yeah, but it's but it's happening right yes, now. Yes. So, actually, the uh, SD card that's in the Zoom that we're recording this audio was purchased from BitCamera for Bitcoin <laughs> in Tokyo. <laughs> um, just probably because we 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 kind of uh, expert in payment industry, I can explain why merchant want to accept Bitcoin and to use cryptocurrency as a payment. So how it works when merchants accept Visa, MasterCard, JCB cards, different types of cards, prepaid, debit or credit card. When merchant accept a card, it actually pays from 3 to 6% to Visa or JCB network. As a processing transaction fee? It's called intercharge fee. Okay. So it's a bit lower than it's a debit card, but it's higher than it's a credit card. And as we know in Japan, it's probably 90% of the credit cards. So if you do it with cryptocurrency, what it means, you can save as a, as a, as a business, if you accept cryptocurrency, you can save from 3 to 5%, which is 
That's quite a, big, a lot. That's a big margin for your profit. Exactly. And you don't have any issue with chargebacks because the transaction is irreversible. Mm. So that's why there are not too many companies at the moment focusing on, on this aspect. You, you're absolutely right. Bitfly has a solution. Coincheck has a solution. We will be launching a solution later this year as well. But most of the people nowadays are focusing on just investing, mining, uh, trading. Yes, it's because the price of Bitcoin is going up, but mm. it, it can't happen in forever. Yeah. And what we focusing on is more kind of substantial. We believe that cryptocurrency will be kind of crucial part in payment industry, and they will be using as a vehicle for micropayments, international transactions, and daily uh, transactions as well. So I'm pretty sure in very near future, probably it will, ha will be happening in, in Tokyo first, but in very near future you will be able to go to the, your 7-Eleven and buy uh, groceries with uh, your cryptocurrency. Do you think that it'll ever get to a point where the things will be priced in the cryptocurrency? Like they call one, so, so Bitcoin is divisible by eight decimal places. And so that eighth decimal place being one Satoshi in honor of the creator of Bitcoin. Um, do you think that things would ever be charged in Satoshis? Like the, you know, this bag of chips is going to be three Satoshis or something like that. Do you ever see that oh, as a possibility? For sure. Okay. It, it will probably take some time. But I can't see why it, it won't happen. Mm. So there are a lot of kind of. Um, well, I saw I saw a meme, right? It was yeah. the, a lot of stuff on social media. But I saw this meme, and this guy had just come out of a coma. He was it was like ten years coma or something, <laughs> and so he's asking the doctor, you know, how long have I been out? And and um, you know, oh, you've been out for ten years. He's like, oh my goodness, I'm really worried about my bill. How much? How many? You know, how much is my bill in, in dollars? And they say, oh no, your bill's not in dollars. It's three hundred and seventy-four sats or something like that. Sats for satoshis. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's, it's it's quite interesting. So, yeah, Japan. It's very interesting market for us at the moment. I can probably because anyway you probably some part of, at least part of your uh, customer base is Japanese. I can talk about our Japanese activities and uh, plans. So the, the news number one, which uh, we already, uh, is already in public domain, is that we, in Japan, we have a new very Japan CEO. Uh, it's Kijima-san, which is ex-CEO of uh, Saxo Securities. Okay. So Saxo Bank and Saxo Securities very well-known fintech company here in Europe and mm. globally. They've won uh, thousands of uh, fintech awards and it's really kind of a uh, very, very famous company. So uh, Kijima-san has been with Saxo 10 years, Saxo, Saxo Japan. He built the business in Japan from very beginning, like really, literally from company incorporation to a successful big business in, in Japan. So he's a great addition to our management team. The news number two, which is already, I think, was announced last week. So it's a joint venture with SBI Group. So SBI Group is well known in the fintech space in Japan. They invested in probably every, every second uh, cryptocurrency and Bitcoin exchange. They invested in Bitfly, they invested in, uh, in uh, exchanges in South Korea in other markets as well. Mm -hmm. 
got uh, very well known online banking and we so SBI group initially was one of our investors but because we fit very well in the ecosystem and we actually build ecosystem of cryptocurrency businesses they lead investor in our free consortium they lead investor and the biggest probably holder of free pool so there is an ecosystem uh, but this ecosystem mainly is B2B and what we do and we do in we cover this B2C part. Mm. We actually can bring this technology to masses, mm. to customers. So that's why we, we decided to bring, to take our relationship a bit further and create the joint venture. So what it means for us, it means that from just relatively small fintech startup, relatively, like 100% probably some people, would consider it's not a startup, but anyway, we moving to far bigger company, right? So we now have associated with a far bigger brand, which back to my initial comment on trust. So trust is very important in financial business. It's absolutely essential. Yes. For sure. Yeah. And having the big brand give us this trust, mm. plus we have this access to infrastructure and ecosystem. And what it means for customers, it means that we will be able to deliver far better service and with a better quality, with a better customer support, with a lower fees, with a, you know faster transactions and so on and so forth. Because of all the resources that are behind this big brand and all that money and everything that they've done and the, you know, the track record that they have and what they're able to do with the amount of resources that are now available to you. Uh, in this joint venture to help grow the business in a way that it hasn't been able to see before. That's correct. Okay. And it's actually what differentiates us from competitors, especially young competitors who is coming from ICO world. Mm -hmm. For them, they, they still need to prove that actually they, they can deliver. It's kind of big, big question for all ICO companies nowadays. Mm -hmm. But so yeah, you're absolutely right. So trust, access to ecosystem and even those comments you said before when you're you know fighting in the beginning about you know the scam kind of stuff you get involved with a company like this and and it just eliminates completely any comment that has anything to do with it not being valid and legitimate that, that's correct so that's why it's that exciting for us yeah so it, it opens us a lot of doors and just to to comment on this as well so SBI has a similar joint venture with Ripple and Ripple is doing very, very well in Asia. Mm. So it's SBI Ripple Asia joint venture. And Ripple is not doing that well in other markets. Mm. But in, in Asia, it's, it's performing super well. So Wirex SBI Asia, it's very similar to, to this joint venture. It's mm. very, very similar agreement and it's very similar kind of uh, business strategy. So that's why we were that excited that it, it will be our big next step in the Asian market. <laughs> that's, that's amazing. And again, congratulations. So right now, as far as the card is concerned, you can go onto the website and you can apply for a card. And this is it shipping globally? Or it seemed like it was and then there was some issue there, but it's being worked through. Could you talk a little bit about that? Yes, yes. So it used to work in uh, 130 countries. There is a change in 
uh, how many countries we can ship at the moment. It's mainly mainly related to the fact that we are switching our banking partners and we are adding new banking partners in uh, different regions. Okay. So it's more like a kind of transition for us. Why we actually the, the reasonable question? Why you actually guys changing banking partner? Mm. Is because the new partners in new regions can give us better quality of service, better uh, pricing, better commercials. So it will be beneficial for our customers as well. Uh, the situation in Japan, you we don't ship cards to Japanese clients at the moment. It is temporary. It's mainly related to the fact that we now trying to do business with SBI. So we need to rethink some of our integrations and. There is a regulatory regimes as well, mm. so we need to do everything according to new regulations regulations in Japan. Okay, but well, you've actually shipped cards to Japan before, so the cards that people have in Japan that they're currently using, they're still able to use them. You just can't ship anymore, or how does that work? So we, yeah, we, we used to ship cards there. Unfortunately, these cards are stopped working. Those are canceled. Okay. Yeah, they, they were cancelled, I believe, on 15th of October. Okay. So quite recent. It is it is big challenge for us. We trying to to be as transparent as possible about our customers because we really want to make them happy. Mm. So uh, <laughs> it's it's a bit unfortunate situation where we don't have a kind of a card replacement straight away. Mm. But what we can offer instead in very near future. Instead of shipping international product, we still were kind of selling our international cards, which were denominated in USD dollars, mm. and it was quite popular in uh, in Japan and other Asian countries. Mm. What we'll be offering very soon is Japanese-friendly product, uh, customer support in Japanese, call center in Japanese, Japanese JPY denominated card with uh, loyalty-based uh, system as well. So. Yes, it is unfortunate situation for our customers, not just in Japan, but in, in some other Asian countries. But we are committed with resources and intention to deliver far better solution in very, very near future. Okay. Is there a specific time frame, or just uh, it's un uncertain at this point? There is. It's mainly due to time frame for sorting out our license in Japan. Okay. So and so that's going to depend on the licensing authority and what time they take to process that. Exactly. Okay, so, so that's a bit unsure. Yeah. Okay. So we, we, we currently negotiate with FSA and, you know, given we have existing customer base, given there is actually trade treaty between UK and Japan, hmm. so Japanese FSA is supposed to help UK, UK startups, UK companies who is going to uh, Japan to do business. Hmm. And it's and uh, vice versa. Vice versa, right? yes, yeah. exactly. So, and UK is actually helping Japanese companies to expand business here in UK. So, given all these facts, we really believe that actually the time frame will be relatively short. Again, it's I don't really want to give like you know uh, exact dates and exact not follow through and exactly. stuff. Okay. But, but maybe again, Q1 yeah. 2018, possibly? Uh, end of Q1. Okay. Yeah. So, and it, just to, to repeat myself, it will be far better and far Japanese friendly solution as we currently have. Because it'll actually be denominated in Japanese yen? It's one thing. Okay. 
and have the, the, the support for it. Exactly. I mean, because a lot of the Japanese, you know, don't necessarily speak English or they don't speak it well enough to receive financial support for a financial product kind of thing. That's right. So <laughs> if, if, if your application, if your website in English, it won't be, it won't be successful in Japan. Mm. So you need to have everything in Japanese, customer support, have to speak Japanese. Mm. You should have a call center because how people receive customer support in, in different countries. So in Japan, people prefer to call. In some other countries, people to prefer to email or use like chat to mm -hmm. communicate. But in Japan, as I said, call center is a must. Absolutely. So the, you're going to be deploying the call center uh, previous to the actual launch of it, and it's going to be tested previous to the end of Q1? Exactly. Okay. So yeah, this is our main plan. So yes, license will take some time. Mm. But in the meantime, you can nothing. build the exactly. infrastructure and... Okay. Exactly. Okay. So as part of this infrastructure will be, will be provided by SBI. So SBI has a great call center. Okay. And it's where we... We will be leveraging our resources, joint, yeah, yeah. joint venture <laughs> benefits. So that's why we're really committed to deliver. Once we've got a license, mm. we'll, we will be shipping the Japanese-friendly uh, products straight away. And meantime, we will be testing it. We will be developing infrastructure, and we will make sure that everything works perfectly. Okay. Because in order to succeed in Japan, you need to have everything works perfectly. Yeah, <laughs> I know that's for sure. So, so how about the foreigners that are in Japan? Um, say, like I'm an American citizen, but I happen to be living in Japan on a Japanese residence card. Am I able to utilize your services, being a U.S. citizen but having a, or being a resident in Japan? Yes. With this system, so yes. that would be fine. Yeah, it's and more, then, more about residency rather than citizenship. Okay, and then so if I have my residency there in Japan and I'm us utilizing the card there, and I have some sort of issue, but I don't speak Japanese, am I able to call call center in English yes. and be able to get that service as well? Yes. Okay. So because we've been trying to be, as I said, international as possible, we have different support teams speaking different English, uh, languages. So we have people who speak in Japanese, people who speak in English, Spanish, Russian, other, other languages. So you should be able to, to give help. And then, and then as the support builds out and more and more growth happens, you'll be adding probably more languages and more support for different locations and around the globe, right? That's correct. So okay. our initial plan so look how it works. So task number one is to cover the most spoken languages. So it's English, Spanish. So a lot of people speak English, or at least can understand English and Spanish language. The second part of it is we need to cover our strategic markets. And it's where we have Japan and Japanese speaking uh, customer support. Mm. We have also people in, in Singapore, but in Singapore is quite easier. Mm. Because Everybody speaks English exactly, in Singapore. Exactly. We plan to move to China as well, and it's probably once we, we are there, we, we can consider having Chinese-speaking mm. customer support as well. Because it's a, it's a big market, but it's not an easy market. But we're planning to be there as well. Yeah, they've been uh, traditionally a little difficult to work with when it comes yeah, to finance yeah, and stuff. Correct, so. That's correct. Okay. All right, well, the good information on that. So we talked about, you know, kind of where things started and, and all that. In Bitcoin, 
that's kind of what the cards are for, right? They're for doing Bitcoin, but is there plans to expand to other cryptocurrencies? Like, what is there going to be an addition for Bitcoin Cash, per se, or some of the other cryptocurrency products out there? Yes. So we already announced that we will be supporting Bitcoin Cash and Bitcoin Gold in our system. Okay. So by the end of the year, we should have Ethereum, Ripple, and Litecoin in our system. So we truly becoming like a home for your for your funds, and it doesn't matter if it's digital. So and that's all on one card. I have one card. It's a Wirex card. It's got my name on there. It's got the Visa logo. Or is there plans to do Mastercard or any of the others uh, as well? American Express, anything like that, or just for now, it's just Visa. It's Visa. We we shipped uh, for Mastercard, mm. but we realized that Visa just dominated far, far bigger brand. Okay. So then you have the card, and then I can add all my cryptocurrencies. Well, the ones that you provide service for, and I do this. Is there's an app I can change it via an app so if I go to pay for something and I want to pay for it with Litecoin or I want to pay for it with Ethereum how do I make that distinction and difference for when I swipe that card so you set your uh, default account okay I can give you an example so this is actually another difference from us from Wirex and from other companies so in our system you have fiat accounts as well as cryptocurrency accounts and it's up to you how you want to keep your money. So you can do 50-50 or keep everything in fiat or keep everything in, in Bitcoin. So some of our competitors pitching this idea, hey, we have a card, but your balance only in Bitcoin. We don't think it makes any practical sense to keep everything in cryptocurrencies. Mm. Yes, it can go up, but it can go down. So if it go down, what can you do? Go to ATM and try to lock the price by withdrawing money? <laughs> we don't think it makes any practical sense. So what we offer instead, we offer the cryptocurrency accounts. And you have one card. And it allows you to use your, your money and the money will be deducted from... The, the default account? So how it will work? Let's say you have USD account and Bitcoin account. So if I go to, to US and trying to use my card and for the case number one, I pay in USD and I have money on USD account. The money will be taken from USD account, right? Because what's the point to do a conversion? The use case number two, I don't have USD on my account, but I have Bitcoin as my default account and I have money there. So the money will be automatically deducted from and converted from Bitcoin account. We, we use real-time conversion we're actually the first company in the world who has production-ready implementation of Lightning Network. Okay. Again, if we're talking about payment industry, with the current blockchain... It's too slow. Yeah, transaction confirmation time, mm. you, you won't be able to do... Nobody's going to swipe their card and then want to wait 10 minutes for it to get confirmed on the blockchain. Exactly. So during our history, and it's what we're proud of, the development team, We everybody nowadays is talking about off-chain solution for payments, for using cryptocurrencies as payments, because you can't do payments with a blockchain, it's not scalable, and it's not designed to be scalable. Blockchain has a... Well, Bitcoin a, blockchain specifically, yes, right? Yes, yeah. so it has a bit different purpose. But it, it's technology-wise, it still can be scalable by uh, using off-chain solution like a Lightning Network, mm. again, if we're talking about Bitcoin. Mm. 
And Light Network can process millions and billions of, of transactions in a relatively short period of time. Which is necessary for being able to go global. Exactly. And the another benefits of Light Network is actually it's fully automated in its trustless environment. So you what it means, you don't need to have your counterpart in order to trade off to trade with. It's all implemented in, in Light Network. Mm. So we are the first company who has tested and production ready solution for that and we have a few players from OTC market who is already using the system and it's where we are getting our rate and liquidity for our transactions and yeah so coming back to, to our use case we will give you real time rate and it will be deducted from your default account if it's Cryptocurrency it will be taken from cryptocurrency. Okay, but I can choose that. So, so say I do have USD. Yeah. Say I have USD on my account and I have Bitcoin on my account. For this particular transaction, I want it to be used as Bitcoin. I can just put that as a, a selector yeah, on, exactly. on on the application itself. So I would just have an app on my phone, the WireX app. I would go in there and then I would select what I want it to be and then I would make my transaction yeah, happen. That's right. Okay, and because of the network that you've built with Lightning Network and all that. Yes. Fast transactions and I'm good to go. Okay, really exciting stuff. You know, I'm really, uh, I'm really happy that uh, you took the time to sit down with me today. I've been looking at a lot of different uh, Bitcoin debit cards. You know, they have like comparing and all that kind of stuff on online, and it didn't seem like there was too many people going to be making things available in Asia. And since I live in Japan and live in Asia, I was really excited, you know, to hear what your plans are for for Tokyo for and for Japan, and and, and all of Asia really. So that, that was pretty good. I'm really looking forward to it because I'm definitely going to sign up. And um, so so for signing up for it, I'm essentially just going to uh, wirex com and then slash sign up or there's a sign up link right on top of the page uh, yeah, or just go to wirexapp.com uh, click register button or oh, wirexapp.com yes okay wirexapp.com okay. or just go to apple store and type wirex and it will be wirexapp just oh you can just download the application and then do a, do a exactly. or download the the app and then actually provide register. a registration on the app itself yes okay that's great that's so, easy that's really yeah. easy to do okay and yeah, again, we, we're trying to get, to get our community engaged in, in what we're doing. We're trying to be as transparent as possible. So we release a lot of information on our blog. There's a video podcast as well, which published on, on a weekly basis where we share uh, industry insights and different interviews with uh, uh, influencers in the space, like uh, Jeff Durbik was on one of our video podcasts. Mm -hmm. So yeah, we're trying to keep our audience posted. And then where where can I find that stuff? So I go onto YouTube and I look for a specific channel or... Uh, yeah, um, you, you can find all the links on our virexapp.com. Okay. There is a link for blog, YouTube and all social networks. Oh, that's fantastic. Just like and subscribe. Yeah, <laughs> well, I'll definitely go on there. I um, really appreciate you taking the time today. Thank you. All right. been listening to the bitcoin.com podcast visit bitcoin.com today the number one place in the world to learn about bitcoin open your first wallet buy your first satoshis and get involved in the bitcoin ecosystem that is changing the world as we know it 